Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Middle of the week on a Wednesday. Welcome to the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, happy to have you along. Patrick McGee joining us a little later. Saints free agency as well as talking some more Southern Miss baseball, which we'll get to in just a moment. Really a baseball day. Third segment, we'll have the play-by-play voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Danny Reed will be joining us as uh, we're trying to flush what happened last night and move forward to the weekend. First segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Dickie's Barbecue, located in a community near you. Spring officially here. Sure feels like it outside as well. Uh, you're going to be outside a lot. You may be having some outside events. Let Dickie's cater your next event. Uh, as you watch sports, maybe in the roost, maybe uh, as at a friend's house, uh, Easter's coming up. Uh, lots of opportunities for people to gather. Let Dickies cater that for you. And if you like, if, if you are like Kelly Sander, maybe just only in this respect, you can go inside Dickies Barbecue, as we all like to do, and that free ice cream when you finish your meal. Dickies Barbecue smoked here, loved everywhere. All right, Kelly, got to talk about it, and we'll talk about it more with Patrick, but won't talk about it uh, after the second segment. Eagles go down to, to New Orleans last night and in a quote sellout close quote quote uh crowd um just got johnny holstaff last night couldn't hit uno um eight different pitchers golden eagles did not look good at the plate um five hits an arrow an error not an arrow an error and what scored one in the ninth but i couldn't come back got down six two oldham gave up two home runs just one of those nights you get beat in the midweek and split with uno I think that going into that game, a lot of Southern Miss fans thought, well, you know, the Eagles clobbered the privateers when they came up here. What was it, 12 to nothing earlier this year, something like that, 11 to nothing, whatever. So they anticipated the Eagles to go down there and steamroll the privateers down there. First of all, since starting out one and three, uh, the privateers have gone 12 and six. All right, so they've obviously figured something out. They're playing, they're playing much better baseball than they did the first time they played the Eagles. Second of all, you know, I was intrigued by the lineup uh, going, going, into the, going into the game. Christopher Sargent was uh, not in the lineup. Uh, Coach Scott Berry moved some people around. Peto playing first base, you know, tweaked the batting order a little bit. Y- you can't say that they're not, they, meaning the coaching staff, is not doing things to try to shake things up a little. But again, when you compare this team's record to last year's teams, they're like maybe one. Yeah, one, one. one win-loss difference against a, a tougher schedule. 
So again, no no time to push the panic button, but you're right. It was it, it wasn't it wasn't the best of nights, but it's the conference games that, that matter more. Georgia Southern coming in red hot. Now they play tonight in their midweek game. They're on the road as they begin this road trip. But no, it, it wasn't it wasn't the best of games for Southern Miss, but by no means are you ready to push the panic button? And Scott Barry has shown that he'll do whatever he thinks he needs to do to to shake up the team and put the best team on the field. Eagles uh, leave nine on base last night. Uh, that's 27 in the last three games. Had 19 over the last two games of the Texas State Series. Struck out nine times last night. Edsel, Hitless, Wilkes, uh, Hitless, Pato, Hitless, Robertson, Hitless. Um, Lynch had a hit. Johnson had a hit. Nobody with multi-hit games uh, with a game. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just like that. And we, we talked to Coach on Monday, and I, I, I still feel like they, they know that this offense is much more capable than what it's doing. And I, I, I guess that's what I'm, I'm reaching for words to be able to describe because it's just kind of baffling. It's baffling that a team that you scored 12 on uh, a month or so ago, that a guy like Matt Etzel, you know, goes hitless. Um, yeah, I, I, that's really all I um, – we, we, we can go the pitching in just a minute. But, but on the hitting point, they, they just can't make things happen. Well, but again, but again, that's why I tried to lead with the point that the, the UNO team that the, and look, I'm not making excuses for them either, but I'm just saying you have to keep all these things in perspective. This was a much better UNO team that the Eagles played last night than the first time around. You know, like I said, they've been 12 and six now since they played the, the yeah. last time. So, so they're better, obviously. Um, and when you, when you put the thing, the, the record in perspective, they're, they have almost the same record they have last year with a much tougher schedule. Now, there's still a lot of baseball to be played. But I would argue, you know, if, if you asked, I think, Luke, if you asked most of the Southern Miss fan base, is this team this year better than last year's team? Most of them would say no. Would you agree with that? That most, I mean, most people anybody, would say that? Anybody who says that this team is better than last year's team at this point in the season didn't watch last year's team and is not watching this year's team. But but I would it's I, just night and day. It's okay. Just, but but I would argue that it's not that much night and day. Offensively it is. They are leaving they cannot they they yeah. are not getting people in. So You're in right. some ways no no in some ways last year it was you couldn't get people the opportunity to score. And you had pitching that was good enough. So to your point Yes, possibly the on-base percentage is a little better. But it just seems as if in, in those moments, like, like for instance, Blanchard last night, we talked about him yesterday, 5-2-5 ERA, okay? It's baseball, I get it. But he strikes out five guys in two innings. Five of our first six outs were strikeouts. <laughs> when- that, and, and that's top of the order. So So he went... He went, what is that? That would be, he gave up, he, he walked three guys, and he struck out five. So he, he faced eight guys. But one of, the, one of the complaints about the Southern Miss team last year was they didn't have enough punch in the lineup offensively, all right? Scott Berry and his crew go out and get some bona fide hitters. Lots of times when you sign on, and I'm not, I'm not indicting any of these particular guys, I'm just saying in general, when you go to get power hitters, 
sure, they hit home runs, and it's sexy and all that sort of thing. But usually when you get a home run hitter, if they don't hit a home run, what do they usually do? They strike out, you know? Rather than getting the punch and Judy single and doubles types hitters, which people don't necessarily want to see. So um, there are more than one way to skin a cat. Last year's team pitched well, didn't hit very well. This team this year is supposed to, was supposed to hit better and maybe not pitch as well. The end result is almost exactly the same. So I'm saying there are different ways to skin a cat. They're doing it differently. Yeah. They're uh, doing it to differently. That point, the, okay. the power numbers, 47% of the power numbers are two guys. You got 19 home runs, okay? Right. Wilkes has five. Lynch has four. That's all you got. That's that, Sergeant has two, and they were in the same game. I'm not criticizing these guys. Right, right. I'm not doing that. I was I was thinking through it last night about when we would lose a game in football. I know it's apples and oranges with, but when when you lose a game, and and I, I think I probably took the Danny Lynch approach. I probably said, "There's nothing that I can do about it. Let me move on to the next one." And I think that's probably the best approach. And I had to give myself some perspective last night. I was on campus last night, spoke at the BSU. When I get done speaking, you know, after uh, Dima Mixon was there, you know, with uh, with Fourth Street Sports, he was at BSU, and we were uh, Chris Walters. We were all just kind of like we pulled up the score almost collectively, like mm-hmm. we were just hanging out after. We were just like, ah, you know. So I, I had to remind myself that I'm an adult, and it when I was playing college football. It bothered me that a bunch of adults, their week went the way that I performed as a nineteen or twenty year old. <laughs> it, it, and you it, know, and you know, buddy, it only it's only getting worse. I know. <laughs> as time and goes so, on. I, what I'm doing is, I had to catch myself, yeah, and just say, you know, these guys aren't trying to strike out five of the first, you know, eight outs. So you don't want to become one of those same adults. I don't want to be the guy, right? Because I think sometimes I was more bothered by the fact. That wow, you guys, you know, somebody's really mad at me up in the stands because I shanked a pig's bladder. Yeah, you know, versus and that's bigger what I, things. Yeah, that, and that's what I'm trying to say too. I'm, you know, the sky is not falling here. All right, it, Scott Barry, in his own words, you know, paraphrasing uh, last night, he said we're we're just not very good right now. All right, and that that was last night. But you know, they 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 go into to Texas State, you know, last weekend played a really good team and competed in all three games. They got a Really good Georgia Southern team coming in this weekend. Now, as we get deeper into this conference schedule, we'll find out if that sky is falling. But right now, I'm I'm not buying it. Uh, it's, well, you know, back, back to your point. You look at where you were last year, and you feel like you've had just as many opportunities, if not more, this year for you to be sixteen and you know sixteen and four, or fifteen and five. And I think there's. There's something to be said. Perspective, Kelly. It, it's a, it's a great thing. <laughs> it is bring, brings you back down to life. <clears throat> brings you back down to life, and it's a good time. We're in for commercial break because allergies are starting to get to. Yeah, there they went. Hey, we're going to take a commercial break. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com joins us. Saints busy in the free agent market, and uh, we'll talk some more Southern Miss baseball. Eagle Hour continues on a Wednesday.
tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Wednesday, second segment brought to you by Campus Bookmark on Hardy Street, campusbookmark.net. The place to go for all the Southern Miss swag that you need. You can continue to shop in person on Hardy Street or online from your house, wherever. Campusbookmark.net. Net. It's Wednesday. We go down to New Orleans to NOLA.com's Patrick McGee. Patrick, let's start with uh, some Southern Miss baseball. Eagles were in UNO last night. Got Johnny Holstaffed, and uh, before we went to commercial break, just trying to breathe and help people understand the sky isn't falling. One year ago, 13-7 and seven at this point, now 12-8. and eight. Talk about that as the Eagles were in your town last night. Yeah, uh, it's 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 kind of one of those things where in the college baseball season there's always kind of a, a slump or a ebb and a flow to things, and right now it seems they're in a bit of a slump. Uh, you know, it, they're not that far removed from where they were a year ago. Now, starting off conference play with a, a series loss, you know, is, is less than ideal, but you know they're still very much in it. The RPI is, is still solid, and they can improve if they just kind of run off, you know, a good winning streak at some point. And that's how pretty much every Southern Miss baseball season has gone forever. Uh, they have a slow patch, but then they run off, you know, six or seven games in a row, if not more, and they get back on track. So the bats will eventually come around. It, it's just how baseball goes, the temperature warm up and all that. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to have too much patience. You've got to have a sense of urgency uh, now that conference play has started. So uh, at some point it'll turn around, but, but there's there's really no reason to panic at the moment. Eagles at 45 in RPI. They dropped uh, 10 spots after that loss um, last mm-hmm. night. And Billy Oldham pitched and you know gave up gave up two home runs. Um, it is good to have that that midweek starter back. But what we saw last mm-hmm. night was we saw Sargent held out of the lineup. Pato you know played first, and I, I guess this goes back to some of the the concern. Your your second weekend of the conference season, and you're still trying to find the right chemistry right. in the lineup because you know guys haven't been able to step up as they usually do. Yeah, I was interested to see that Peyto's getting time at, at first base, and that is the concern. Is they just you know to have somebody like Sargent struggle as badly as he has? I mean, he carried them in the postseason offensively. Uh, Last year, especially in the in the in the regional, um, so I yeah, it's concerned that Sargent isn't your dude like he was supposed to be, and Peyto hasn't hit or hasn't taken that next step. Uh, he's regressed a little bit, even though he's swung in a little bit here lately. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the guys are supposed to be your guys, other than maybe Slade Wilkes, who's had a fairly decent season. Uh, you know, it's it's strange to see somebody like Sargent who has the you know plenty of experience to see him step back it's not unusual to see a sophomore slump at some point uh, but it is unusual to see sergeant where he's at right now kelly i want to shift now to, to the saints uh, the free agent signings continue in, in new orleans mm-hmm. done or not done patrick and update us as to what has happened and transpired since last week we spoke yeah, I think the biggest signing uh, they had since we last spoke was, was Jamal Williams, the Detroit Lions, uh, Lions linebacker, a guy who led the NFL in rushing touchdowns a year ago, 17. Uh, rushed for 1,000 yards. I'm pretty sure the Saints have never signed a free agent running back coming off a 1,000-yard season. Uh, so this is pretty substantial. I mean, he's he's a guy capable of being your number one if you know, Kamara is out. 
uh, is going to be that guy they really missed in short yardage and in goal line situation, uh, punching the ball in the end zone. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the guy. A bunch of these other signs are bringing back their punter, Gillikin. Uh, you know, you, you've seen some other depth signing. They brought in uh, Jonathan Abraham, the guy who's a former first-round pick. Uh, they've picked him up. Uh, Malcolm Roach is coming back at defensive tackle. And now a lot of these other signings we're seeing right now are depth deals. And it feels like they've kind of addressed their main concerns, even though they want to add youth and, and depth and talent in a lot of different areas. Uh, right now, defensive tackles looking in good shape when that was a bit of a concern a couple of weeks ago. And you've got your number two, if not number one, running back coming coming in from the Detroit Lions. So what are we to read between the lines with that signing as far as Camara goes? What do you think the Saints are thinking at this point as to his well, status, availability, yeah. et cetera? No, I think they wanted to be a little bit more aggressive uh, in free agency in terms of bringing another running back. Mark Ingram's time is uh, he's getting closer to retirement. It's unlikely he'll be with the Saints. Uh, it, they just, you know, knowing Camara's situation, uh, and how he kind of struggled with that at complimentary number two a year ago. I think they knew they had to bring in a guy that was more established. I think they'll still maybe go after a running back in the draft, maybe third or fourth round, something along those lines. But, yeah, no, I, I, I don't want to read much into it, other it's a great sign. I mean, heck, I mean, how often do you bring in the NFL rusher and, you know, NFL leader in rushing touchdowns? Uh, it's pretty significant and, and a, a big deal for the Saints. Uh, when you look at quarterback and running back signings, there aren't many, you know, obviously Drew Brees, but you bring in a Derek Carr and Jamal Williams in the offseason. That really does give Saints fans reason for hope. And Williams obviously had some other choices, so he must have been mm-hmm. optimistic about the Saints' chances of getting somewhere. You know, there's this limited right. shelf life as a professional football player, so uh, the fact that he decided to go to New Orleans certainly would bode well. But besides the Saints being busy in the offseason free agent market, Two of the more aggressive teams have been Atlanta and Carolina in the same division with New Orleans. Yeah. What are the Saints people thinking? What, have they said anything about what they think Atlanta and Carolina is doing to bolster their efforts? No, I, I mean, I, I think both Carolina and Atlanta, you know, haven't addressed their biggest concern. That's a quarterback. Um, but, you know, they really have gone out and been pretty, you know, Atlanta spent a lot of money. Carolina spent a, Carolina spent a fair amount of money. I don't, you know, I... I, I it, they're going to have, have good. Be both teams are going to be really good defensively. Atlanta's a great on the side of the ball. Carolina was already pretty solid, and they've made some good additions. Uh, but no, I mean, uh, the, the NFC South is going to look a little tougher, you know. It, but in terms of the most important positions, say quarterback, running back, and receiver, if the Saints are healthy at all those positions. Uh, they're going to be easily the best in the division. So, you know, offensively, the, the Saints probably have a lot more pieces in place than the other teams do at this yeah. point. And the final question I've got before I turn it back over to Luke is Roger Goodell, the longtime commissioner of the NFL, uh, getting a new contract, it appears, and that would – logic would dictate that he his idea of expanding the NFL into international markets will probably continue long-term, Patrick – Yes, no, or mixed feelings from you and maybe from New Orleans fans as to international teams potentially being involved in the National Football League. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm somebody that's kind of on the fence on that. I, I think there is some. Uh, the league wants to be more. In, the sport of American football is not an international sport, even though it has a fair amount of interest in Europe and in Mexico and places like that. 
but you know they want to expand and, and be able to make more money. They think they can make more money in, say, London or someplace like that. I think eventually they're going to do it. But it, I, I'm of the opinion that it's not going to happen anytime real soon. Yeah, I mean, part of it is you're 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 dealing with where people live, you know, mm-hmm. and it it's it's almost i mean that you pull it off in in the collegiate level with the university of hawaii but mm-hmm. it's different than major league baseball at the professional level cuz you have you know you have teams in canada and you have teams in in uh, in baseball but but it's in canada canada has their own you know football league yeah anyway. but, and if you had a team in frankfurt you'd have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning just <laughs> to, yeah. to watch the game yeah there's a reason nfl europe folded maybe they should learn from it anyway right. you mentioned jonathan abram of course he's from uh, columbia mississippi went to east mary mm-hmm. and played it played at jones excited to have have him back um talking about the the different faces of course bucks go and get baker mayfield and frank mm-hmm. wright kind of hinted uh, he was talking about tall quarterbacks, so I can't really read whether that's Anthony Richardson or don't put stock in a tall quarterback. I mean, they got to be thinking C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young at number one. Yeah, and just Stroud, you know, is it just looks more in the part. Uh, you know, really good college quarterback, really really good athlete, and, and as much as I like Bryce, he's he is small. Uh, he, he's you know, is he going to be able to withstand the a seventeen game season and, and hits even though. Quarterbacks protect a lot more these days. You see what happened to uh, Tua. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think Stroud makes all the sense in the world, and I would be surprised if they draft anybody else. Uh, but Bryce Young, he's, you know, if if I had a bet on somebody that's going to have success and be part of a winning, you know, team, I would take Bryce Young. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't necessarily want to put Bryce Young on a team uh, that's still kind of developing and uh, and all that. I mean, it would, it would probably be a struggle for a year or two. I think Stroud's probably – built more to kind of plug in right away as an NFL player. Well, I think Bryce Young needs to add on a good 20 pounds or so. Yeah, 30, 30 seconds left. I'm liable to ask you this question every time leading up to the draft. But Saints now, three picks in the top 71, two picks in the mm-hmm. top 40. What what do they need as of today? We can And we can develop that conversation leading up to the draft. Yeah, I, I don't think they they really go the, approach it that differently than they did before all the guys they signed. I think – you know, they want to get younger and more talented, a lot of different spots that they already had needs at, and that's a receiver. Uh, I think it's less likely that they draft high at running back, uh, but I think a defensive end in the, uh, and on the defensive line is another area. Maybe go in the middle linebacker spot, you go a little younger there. But I think they give themselves they give themselves enough flexibility to go after really the best players available at the positions that they really want to address to start with. Good stuff. Thanks, Patrick, as always. All right. Thanks, Luke. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com. Go get a preview of the Georgia Southern Eagles. On the other side of the break, Danny Reed joins us. Eagle Hour continues from the Southern Bancorp Studios. Stick with us. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. 4th Street Bar and Grill, the official place to go if you're pre-gaming. Southern Miss baseball, basketball, football, doesn't matter. 
Everybody there speaks fluent black and gold, and they've got all the memorabilia that we, we talk about. It's really cool just to take the trip down memory lane of all the things they've just got hanging on the wall. Nine ninety five Blue Plate Lunch every week, Friday, Catfish Friday. Everybody knows your name at 4th Street Bar and Grill. We thank them for their continued support of this program and Southern Miss Athletics. Well, the Golden Eagles baseball team returns home this weekend for another Sunbelt uh, Conference Series, this one against the Georgia Southern Eagles. This will be the first time that these two conference foes will play each other in baseball. Both of them hosted regionals last year. Both of them have high expectations this year. Danny Reed joins us now. He's the voice of the Eagles. They are at Mercer tonight as they begin this road trip that will eventually wind up in Hattiesburg. Danny, good afternoon to you. Thank you for joining us. Boys, I appreciate it. Hope you all are doing well. Boy, you certainly... uh, it, it shouldn't have raised any eyebrows necessarily what you guys did last weekend, but South Al has always been a very good baseball team, continues to be, but uh, you handled them at, uh, at Statesboro. I, I want to start, first of all, with the consistency of the baseball program. The Hanner Field House, which is where you guys play basketball, they've, that, the basketball program has been in somewhat tumultuous times over the past 10 or 15 years. Football has seen more changes after the late, great Irk Russell has been gone. But baseball-wise, man, Rodney Hennon has been like the Plymouth Rock and has been there forever. Consistency has to fit in the puzzle as to why this Georgia Southern Eagle program has been so successful, yes? 24 years, and he is the same guy every single day. You would never know if the Eagles won 15 nothing the day before or lost 15 nothing the day before. And for somebody that's seen uh, about 1,500 games in his career, he realized a long time ago that that was how he was going to be best to serve his players. And yeah, you bring up the South Alabama sweep last weekend. That, that's something that doesn't happen very often. I know the Jags are in a bit of a bit of a bender right now. They've lost seven in a row, but for the Eagles to still start Sunbelt play the way that they did in what is going to be a tougher league this year with the addition of the four new schools, I think it was a little bit more meaningful for also a Georgia Southern team that had just lost six straight themselves, but they got great starting pitching. Defense was okay. It wasn't great, but what they did really well in those three games, they finally started to get some timely hits. They load the bases a ton because of all the walks and the singles, but they really found some timely hits over the weekend, and that, I think, made the difference. And, and, and you said it really came at a critical time time for Georgia Southern, that series against uh, South Al and the sweep. Because you guys had had a, had a little bit of a rough go pr- pr- going into that series. Yeah, when Rutgers comes down the week before as a team that had won four games and they just basically take you apart, it, it, it was tough to handle. And the last of those three games was Georgia Southern getting no hits. So you have to have that as the last moment of the weekend going into an important four-game week. Kennesaw State came down last Tuesday. And, oh, by the way, they're a program that won 36 games last year. They went to a regional. They got the 4-3 win, and you got six straight losses. That didn't happen in about a decade. And you're sitting around thinking, okay, this team just won 41 games last year, and there's a decent number of pieces back. Yeah, there's a lot of newness with the pitching staff. But you're wondering, okay, what's it going to take? What is wrong? Why isn't this clicking? They found a lot of what had been going against them go in their direction against South Alabama and did it time up well that South has been struggling. You could make that case, but I think that South is pretty close to finding it. They've got some good starting pitching. They've got bullpen depth, and I think that they've got a lineup that can create some havoc 
once they get the pieces in the right spot. But it just so happened that Georgia Southern played better those three games. And look, Sunday was difficult. There, there was a number of things that went against the Eagles. There was, there was an instance during the game, a line drive off of Jesse Sherrill's bat that hit the left side of the forehead of South Alabama's reliever, Zach Willingham, and there was about a 10-minute delay. He was he, His blood was coming out of his head. They had to get him off the field. He did walk to an ambulance under his own power, so that was a great thing to see. And then later on, the Georgia Southern replay system didn't work in the eighth inning on an obvious hit-by-pitch, which probably should have been corrected on the field. But the umpires actually had to come up to the press box to look at proper video to confirm that it was indeed a hit-by-pitch. That was almost a 15-minute delay. And for the teams to simply stay focused and give the kind of game that they they did in that finale, and even better, the Georgia Southern was able to come out on top and finish the sweep. Luke Johnson, Danny Reed, the radio voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, our guest on the Eagle Hour. So, Danny, what you're trying to tell me is, before the South Alabama weekend, a team that hosted a regional last year wasn't leaving, living up to expectations this year. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Because that, <laughs> that kind of sounds like what we're walking through right now. Yeah, yeah, it's probably a great time to see each other in the second weekend of league play. But in in some ways, yes, and you've got the preseason player of the year in the conference and Noah Ledford at first. He didn't have a hit all week long, and the Eagles still swept South Alabama. Granted, you've got Jesse Sherrill continuing to play as well as he has. Jarrett Brown's defense has struggled a little bit, even though I think he's still the best defensive third baseman in the league. He started to find his power a little bit, especially to that backside gap. He's hitting better than 300. The story this year has been Blake Evans, the shortstop, coming back in the lineup as an everyday player. He was the starter at third base his freshman year, but then the previous three years, whether it was because of illness or because of injury or because of guys just playing better like an Austin Thompson or a Jarrett Brown, couldn't find very many chances. But with Thompson finishing up his career after five years, Evans now plays a position he did in high school. It has been awesome to see him in the lineup every day. And the starting pitching really improved last weekend with Ty Fisher, Ben Johnson, and Anthony DeMola stepping in. He stepped in and stepped up at the same time, going four scoreless giving up just one hit, and I would guess that he would be in position to get another Game 3 start against the Golden Eagles this weekend. But to stabilize the starting pitching and then figure out exactly how the bullpen pieces are going to fit together, those were all things that were figured out about this time last year when the Eagles really took off, won 41 games, hosted a regional for the first time ever. It feels like they're not that far away, and they're starting to discover just how good they can be. When you have the uh, Louisiana series, if you guys play the Cajuns this year, you just ask Jay Walker who his favorite third baseman is in the Sun Belt. He'll tell you Danny Lynch for obvious reasons. Anyway, um, oh, I've heard I've heard that call, and it's one of my favorites. <laughs> so, so pitching wise, of the guys that you listed, are right, lefty? What what are they? Ty Fisher is going to go game one. He's about a six four lefty, four different pitches. He's real into pitchability. He is the clear leader of the team. He's brash, but the guys need someone like that. He is extremely confident, knows who he is. Hopefully he can get 15 to 18 outs and shorten the game for the rest of the bullpen. Ben Johnson is somebody that a right-hander, he's a junior from Tucker, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. Somebody that got on the draft boards last summer when he was an all-star in the K pitching for Katuit. He added a split-fingered fastball late last year, tinkered with it somewhat during the season. It really took off for him when he went to the Cape. And now that he's in his third year beginning a season in the rotation, trying to get that to stick because the first two seasons he's ended up long relief out of the bullpen. He's done well there for the most part, but this is somebody that the Eagles really need to cinch down that number two role. If he has his splitter, he can be really good. 
And then that game three spot had been the true freshman, Zach Harris, who might have the best arm on the entire staff, but he's really struggled in five appearances. You slot Anthony DeMola in there last week against South Alabama. He goes out with four innings and 44 pitches wondering, okay, maybe this is something that the Eagles can build on. So one and two seem to be pretty set. If it is DeMola for game three, it would be another lefty. But if it happens to go back to Zach Harris or somebody else, then that's just what Georgia Southern has to do to try to get a series in a place where not a whole lot of people come out with two out of three. Danny, the Southern Miss pitching staff was devastated by the by the uh, Major League draft last year. Good for the players, obviously. Not, not good for the Southern Miss Eagles as a team. Is there any area that uh, Rodney Hennon's group uh, suffered in the offseason last year from this year position-wise? You know, I want to say that the losses that happened were fifth-year seniors that some just thought that that was a great way to end up their careers. Christian Avan, Austin Thompson, and Jason Swan were fifth-year guys. Parker Beatier was a fifth-year guy, even though he was only in the program for three years. He was a JUCO guy from Santa Fe down in Florida. All guys that were really good college players, I think that they would have taken a pro opportunity if one had been presented to them. But I think so much went into that season because they realized that that was probably going to be it for them. The leadership was outstanding. It took off with 23 conference wins. I know the league is new look this year, so that's going to be a tough task to try to equal that. But to simply see the leadership transfer over now to guys like a Jared Brown, a Blake Evans, a Jesse Sherrill, and Noah Ledford, to a Ty Fisher on the pitching staff, to a Jay Thompson on the pitching staff who can fill about any role you need him to. He has done about everything since he transferred from Gordon State back in 2020. Not necessarily watching those guys play at the next level, but the fact that those guys recognized that that was going to be it, I think everything they had went into every game that they played, and that's that's a big reason why that team was so special and will always be remembered that way. Now, that Kennesaw State team that you mentioned earlier actually came to the Hattiesburg Regional last year, so yeah. we're familiar with the Owls and, uh, of course, not far up the road from you. So some really good baseball all around the southeast before i let you go and cut you back to loose for the luke for the final minute i got i've got an open tab at elsom and dingus mcgee's in statesboro so anytime danny you can go have one on me dude you're speaking the gospel there i appreciate that <laughs> okay. hey danny we're about to hit the commercial break man we appreciate it hope uh, you enjoy this weekend we'll hope to see you at the pete thanks for coming on the eagle hour today first trip down there guys can't wait appreciate you Awesome. It's Danny Reed, play-by-play voice for the Georgia Southern Eagles. Kelly, six foot four lefty with four pitches Friday night. I think both of these teams are going to learn a lot about what they are made of after this series this weekend. This is this is big for both schools, this series coming up. News and notes, everything else in between will follow us on the other side of this break. Eagle Hour finishes out on Wednesday. Stick with us. Southern Miss to the top. Appreciate Danny Reed joining us from Georgia Southern. They're on the road tonight against Mercer. Bring you the more the uh, complete Sunbelt action for tonight. Just a minute, fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. DBATHattiesburg.com on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. DBAT on the left, D1 Training 
on the right. Luke, Kelly, and Michael from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Sunbelt baseball action from last night. James Madison defeated Radford 8-6. to Marshall defeated Cincinnati 8-4. to Georgia beat Georgia State 8-3. to App State defeated, I think that's the College of Charleston, 4-3. to Mississippi State pounded Arkansas State 16-2. to Auburn defeats South Alabama 6-5. to uh, Games actually played in Montgomery. Louisiana drilled Grambling 13-1. to Texas State uh, beat Texas A&M Corpus Christi 7-5. ULM defeats Louisiana Tech. Former assistant Federico gets the win over former assistant Burroughs. And, of course, the Eagles dropped a 6-3 decision to UNO. Tonight, Florida A&M at Troy. Liberty at Old Dominion. Arkansas State at Memphis. Georgia Southern at Mercer. Southeastern Louisiana at Louisiana. And Houston Christian at Texas State. RPI, Kelly, because this is, this is eye-opening. Talk about a conference. Right. The Sun Belt with eight, count them, eight in the top 90 in RPI. Old Dominion. 18 and 2. They're 19th. Troy, 37th. Coastal Carolina, 39th. Eagles, right now, after dropping spots from last night's loss, 45th. Louisiana, 65th. App State, 75th. Georgia Southern, 86th. And Texas State, 90. Texas State's gone up probably close to 100 spots since last week before they uh, won that series against the Eagles. Wouldn't you say, though, Luke, even though I wouldn't say it's a major headline, I I think that Old Dominion has to be talked about here a little bit. I mean, we knew the Monarchs were good, but I think so far if a team was underestimated, not by much, but Old Dominion really playing well. They are. As uh, as just mentioned, 18-2. and They won a series against St. John's. They was playing VMI, William Mary, Fordham. So some of these, they, they beat St. Joseph again. They split in a three-game series at Charlotte. Uh, game three was canceled. And they won, uh, they beat Princeton in a midweek, and then they swept ULM to start. So, yeah, I mean, the last really ten games of their schedule, a whole lot harder than the first ten. By far, so yeah, and, yeah, but still, eighteen and two is eighteen and two. Yeah, and and as far as the schedule at the beginning of the season for them in in Sunbelt play, with all due respect to ULM, uh, if if projections are you know accurate, ULM is not going to be one of the strongest teams in the league. So that was a pretty good draw when you compare. You know, Texas State got Southern Miss and and uh, Coastal, and Southern Miss got. Texas State and now Georgia Southern. So, you, you know, you got some, some tougher schedules. On the other side of the coin, South Al has got to be in head-scratching mode right now. I, I don't think anybody anticipated that South Al would be going through this big of a struggle anytime during this year. Yeah, I mean, you look at what, what they've got, as we, as we talked about, Georgia Southern. They got Louisiana this weekend. Get them in, in Mobile. And uh, then they turn around with James Madison, and then they get Texas State. So tough this weekend. Next weekend, depending on what James Madison, James Madison just seems to you know impress in every sport. But then you got then you got Texas State. Now I, I will mention this: Old Dominion's got Marshall this weekend. But then they turn around, they play Virginia, they go to Statesboro, and then they host the Eagles, the Golden Eagles. 
So, I mean, Old Dominion's got some, some possible losses in the future as well. But South Alabama, what have they lost now? Eight in a row or seven in a row? And Danny said seven. Seven. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's just not characteristic of them at all. So, you know, they're, it, Southern Miss is not the only he, team that's going to stub its toe, particularly against tough competition. I, I mean, I think, and I think baseball in this league is going to be somewhat like basketball. I think you could look up and there's going to be three or four teams jumbled at the top. It, the, the sweeps surprised me. I think it was four sweeps this past weekend. I think we may see less sweeps this year across the board because there will be, uh, there will be a lot of, a lot of parody. Last minute of the show, let me mention a couple things. Men's golf finishes 10th in the All-American Intercollegiate. That's because they moved up. Didn't have a good yeah. day one. Uh, Robbie Ladder shot a, a set, final round 70 yesterday. Cameron Clark also had a, a really nice round. Golden Eagles finished tied for 10th at the All-American Intercollegiate in Houston. And then Southern Miss gets a soccer transfer. Victoria Clark uh, is a wing. She's transferring in from Arizona Western College. So uh, good stuff out of the uh, the men's golf, and a women's soccer gets a, a transfer. Yeah, we get a great soccer player, and she gets a whole bunch of humidity <laughs> that at Arizona Western she was not used to. So welcome. Wow. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm going to be out the next two days. Um, got some stuff going on, but Bob will be back tomorrow. Bob's, Bob's out paying bills today, right? So that's, that's he has to pay our, our exorbitant our, salaries. Are there any, any more tabs around Hattiesburg at restaurants that he's having to take care of today? Uh, pro- well, those two in Statesboro I've got open, I have to take care of. But, you know, say a lot I'm saying for you. Is he having to pay for something for you today? Oh, no, I don't think so. I think I'm up to date with him. Oh, he's paying Bob. for something. <laughs> Bob back tomorrow. We'll catch you then, same time. Appreciate you listening today. And as always, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.